again, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. This is the show all about the unseen and otherworldly aspects of our lives. If you are a mystic in training, an aspiring mystic, you know that the material world and physical life is a part of our existence. It's not all of it. And there's much more than meets the eye, as, uh, as they say. So our website is themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net, and you can find a lot of information there, including the phone number, which you can use to call the show. So we do this show live every weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, and you can call in and ask a question or share a story participate. Flex your mystic muscles. <laughs> um, so the number, it's the numbers on the webpage. That's probably the easiest way to get it, but I'll just mention it. 973-498-8033. And it's a br- nice sunny morning, actually. There's, there's sunlight coming in the windows here into the studio. We're broadcasting from New Jersey, from Fractal Recording, and we're broadcasting on the Fractal Stream, which is the internet radio station. You can tell someone around here likes Fractals. Yeah, that's me. If you don't know what Fractals are, I'll have to put some, uh, I'll have to put some pictures on, uh, on the website. I'll I'll do that and then I'll then I'll let you know that they're there. But they're wonderfully beautiful, sort of artistic creations that are made from mathematical formulas. It's so it's very strange and and they look a lot like nature. And and it's been found that a lot of nature are fractals like trees and uh, a lot especially a lot with the human body like uh, like our human form and our bronchial tubes and our circulatory system and all these other things are all fractal well I'm not a scientist so I, I don't know how to prove all that I just know there's something mystical about fractals Right? I don't know. I think this life is so interesting. Every time you, you... The more you investigate things or research things, the more interested you get and the more you realize you don't know. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. I guess that's why they say the people with uh, wisdom... They basically say, I don't know anything. Because th- maybe they learn enough throughout their life, and then they realize how much they still don't know, and they're, they're willing to admit that. 
I guess most people would kind of pretend they know things, right? They'd be proud of their knowledge and all this stuff, but not the mystic. The mystic says, you know what? I don't know, and there's a lot I don't know, but I'm open to learning and I'm moving towards my goal. So what is your goal? What is a spiritual goal? That's a very interesting question. Maybe you'd like to send us a message or call up and let us know what you think. What is a spiritual goal? Because I know growing up, I was very confused. Growing up as a uh, Catholic, I was very confused. But anyhow, let's get to our wonderful book by James Allen. And um, we've we've been reading, we're on chapter three, actually, and we've been reading little bits every day. And it's, it's you know what, it's probably good to read little bits because this is so truthful. I was going to say heavy, but it's not really heavy, but it's definitely not light either. It's not light reading, like you can whip through a James Allen book in, you know, 45 minutes and be done. Um, obviously, the, what you would want to do is read the book little by little and, you know, ponder and meditate on the meaning of what he's saying. So the book is called Byways of Blessedness, and we're reading from chapter three, which is called Transcending Difficulties and Perplexities, right? I'm sure you have some of them, right? You have a couple? Difficulties and perplexities. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and continue. Chapter 3 from James Allen's book, Byways of Blessedness. And just as domestic, social, and economic difficulties are born of ignorance and lead to riper knowledge, so, every religious doubt, every mental perplexity, every heart-beclouding shadow presages greater spiritual gain, is prophetic of a brighter dawn of intelligence for him on who it falls. It is a great day in the life of a man, though at the time he knows it not, when bewildering perplexities concerning the mystery of life take possession of his mind, for it signifies that his era of dead indifference, of animal sloth, of mere vegetative happiness has come to an end, and that henceforth he is to live as an aspiring, self-evolving being. No longer a mere human animal, he will now begin to live as a man, exerting all his mental energies to the solution of life's problems, to the answering of those haunting perplexities which are the sentinels of truth and which stand at the gate and threshold of the temple of wisdom. Nor will he ever rest again in selfish ease and listless ignorance, nor sleekly sate himself upon the swine's husks of fleshly pleasures, 
nor find a hiding place from the ceaseless whisperings of his heart's dark and indefinable interrogatories. The divine within him has awakened. A sleeping god is shaking off the incoherent visions of the night, never again to slumber, never again to rest until his eyes rest upon the full, broad day of truth. It is impossible for such a man to hush, for any length of time, the call to higher purposes and achievements which is aroused within him. For the awakened faculties of his being will ceaselessly urge him on to the unraveling of his perplexities. For him, there is no more peace in sin, no more rest in error, no final refuge but in wisdom. Great will be the blessedness of such a man when, conscious of the ignorance of which his doubts and perplexities are born, and acknowledging and understanding that ignorance, not striving to hide himself from it, he earnestly applies himself to its removal, seeks unremittingly, day after day, for that pathway of light which shall enable him to dispel all the dark shadows, dissolve his doubts, and find the solution to all his pressing problems. And as a child is glad when it has mastered a lesson long toiled over, just so a man's heart becomes light and free when he has satisfactorily met some worldly difficulty. Even so, but to a far greater degree, is the heart of a man rendered joyous and peaceful when some vital and eternal question, which has been long brooded over and grappled with, is at last completely answered, and its darkness is forever dispelled. Do not regard your difficulties and perplexities as portentous of ill. By doing so, you will make them ill. But regard them as prophetic of good, which, indeed, they are. Do not persuade yourself that you can evade them. You cannot. Do not try to run away from them. This is impossible. For wherever you go, they will still be there with you. But meet them calmly and bravely. Confront them with all the dispassion and dignity which you can command. Weigh up their proportions. Analyze them. Grasp their details. Measure their strength. Understand them. Attack them. And finally, vanquish them. Thus will you develop strength and intelligence. Thus will you enter one of those byways of blessedness which are hidden from the superficial gaze. And there you have it. We'll stop there. That's actually the end of chapter 3. Uh, transcending difficulties and perplexities 
and we'll just pause for a minute. Thank you to Honor Finnegan for that little piece of music there. It's a song called Zachariah. It's off her. Uh, it's off her album called Human Heart. And maybe, maybe someday we can persuade Honor Finnegan to call into this show. Wow, that would be something. She, I actually met with her during this last trip to India just uh, three, four weeks ago. So that was really nice. So you're listening to The Mystic Show. Our website is themysticshow.net. All the information about the show is there, including the phone number. You can call us. We broadcast live every weekday at 7 a.m., and by the way, we also replay the show. We, we replay the show from the morning. We replay it in the evening at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And we're also going to have the podcasts up archived, so you'll be able to find that pretty easily. So there's a book, speaking of my trip to India three, four weeks ago. Well, I, I got back three or four weeks ago. Uh, but on the way there, I was reading this book, which I think I mentioned, called The Holographic Universe. And I read it, I started reading it on the plane, and I finished about half of it, which was pretty good. Uh, it's a long plane ride, as you can imagine. And it's the kind of book that really I love, because there's there's some science in it, and there's some mysticism in it, or spirituality, whatever you want to call it. And I, in my mind, somehow the two help each other. And I know the science, in the end, the science part of it is might not be that important, because it's only knowledge. It's, it's not, it doesn't convey necessarily any spiritual elevation. But for me, the science part of it, um, like for instance, you know, the holographs and uh, even, you know, quantum physics, they actually just help um, help explain the spiritual part of it. They, in my mind, when I, when I look at the two of them, they sort of make sense together and it helps me understand each other better. I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but I think you understand what I mean. 
So the part about holographs here is is great, and the science part, that's great. But um, And we can talk about that if you want to give us a call or send us an email. But uh, the part I wanted to talk about, he there's a section in the book about near-death experiences. And I've, you know, years ago I used to read all kinds of books and and things, but I never really read about near-death experiences. I think the only insight I have into near-death experiences was that movie Flatliners with uh, Kiefer Sutherland and I forget who else was in it. But it's an interesting movie because they they're it's like a group of doctors, young doctors, I think. And they I think one of them has a near death experience and they you know, as soon like when the body dies, they find themselves outside of the body and they they're seeing these beautiful fields and you know, having this wonderful experience, you know, otherworldly experience which we're going to get into right now in a minute. And uh, but then the body is revived and the consciousness or the soul, whatever it is, comes back to the body and then they're then they're back. They're alive. And um, so I think he wanted to experience that again. So he came up with an idea that he was going to basically on purpose make his body shut down and die. And then after like a certain amount of minutes, maybe five minutes or three minutes, I forget what it was, um, his friends who were also doctors were going to be there with him to revive him after three or five minutes. So he can experience this, what happens after death, but then also come back. Um, Which obviously that's, I mean, so dangerous. I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't think we should be playing around with life and death like that that seems a little little much anyhow i i haven't really read any books about near death experiences so when i heard when i read this book the holographic universe by michael talbot it was pretty interesting the stuff about the near death experiences i never knew that they were so widespread Apparently across different times, you know, eras of time and, and different cultures, they, they all talk about uh, near-death experiences. And in, in fact, in 1981, there's some Gallup poll found that 8 million adult Americans had experienced a near-death experience. 8 million. That seems like way too many to me, but that's almost, it's almost like every, you know, every 10th person, or I get it, it's not 10th, maybe every 25th person you find is, is you know, you'd be talking about near-death experiences, but that's not, that doesn't happen. They're also described at length in uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead and uh, the 2,500-year-old Egyptian Book of the Dead. Even uh, in in Book Ten of the Republic by Plato, 
he gives a detailed account of a of a Greek soldier named Er, E R, who basically came alive just seconds before his funeral uh, pyre was about to be lit. So he was he was dead for a while, and they were about to to light his body, and uh, he came alive and said that he left his body and went through a passageway to the land of the dead. And there's no, apparently there's no unique demographic characteristics to people who experience these. Again, various cultures, um, it doesn't, you know, a person's age doesn't matter, their sex, their marital status, their race, religion, spiritual beliefs, you know, educational level. None of these things really matter. People across all these different characteristics experience uh, near-death experiences. And apparently, there's some consistency with uh, what these people are reporting. So I'm going to actually read what he's wrote in the book as like, you know, the typical near-death experience. Um, it's pretty interesting. I don't know. Hey, maybe you've experienced one. Maybe you want to share about that. Okay, so here we go. This is the typical, well, you know, typical meaning most typical. There's nothing typical about it. Uh, okay, a man is dying and suddenly finds himself floating above his body and watching what is going on. Within moments, he travels at great speed through a darkness or a tunnel. He enters a realm of dazzling light and is warmly met by recently deceased friends and relatives. Frequently, he hears indescribably beautiful, beautiful music and sees sights, <clears throat> rolling meadows, flower-filled valleys, and sparkling streams. More lovely than anything he has seen on earth. In this light-filled world, he feels no pain or fear and is pervaded with an overwhelming feeling of joy, love, and peace. He meets a being of light, or beings of light, who emanates a feeling of enormous compassion and is prompted by the beings to experience a life review, a panoramic replay of his life. He becomes so enraptured by his experience of this greater reality that he desires nothing more than to stay. However, the being tells him that it is not his time yet and persuades him to return to his earthly life and re-enter his physical body.
right? And again, all these ancient texts have mentioned pretty much this exact scenario. I don't know. Do you, if you've never had that experience, do you believe that? I, do you, I think belief in that is, would be very much tied to your religious beliefs, right? Like, again, I grew up a Catholic and I don't think, I never was taught about any of this stuff. Because I think, I think the Catholics believe that when you, when you die, you're just dead and either you go to heaven or you go to hell. I don't know. So what do you think about that? Do you think that really happens? <laughs> and what is this other world? I found this just fascinating. I mean, and then he goes on to tell some stories. He reports about these people who have, you know, had these experiences. And So then he goes on to explain, he gives the holographic explanation of the near-death experience. And again, that gets into a little science. So... Um, so we're not going to really be able to cover that right now. Maybe sometime we could talk about the science part of the, of the holograph, but I think you would need a picture to discuss. So maybe I can put a picture up on the website and, and then we could talk about it. But again, it's radio, so we have to deal without pictures so we can accommodate everyone. So we'll just take a quick break. Thanks again to Tool. Welcome back, everyone, to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran. I don't know if I, don't know if I announce who I am every show. <laughs> I think I might just do the show. and If you don't know me, you'll have to just guess my name. So our website is themysticshow.net. 
And there's a lot of information there, including our phone number. So if you're listening, you can give us a quick call. Give me a quick call and say hello. Tell me what you think of the show. It's 973-498-8033. So on this path of the mystic, right? Trying to understand life, the deeper truths, and, and not only intellectually, right? We have to learn, we have to gain knowledge for sure, but then we have to apply that knowledge. So I think this, the application of these spiritual principles, that's the real journey. Um, so if someone is just reading or just, you know, accumulating some knowledge but yet they're living all they're living their lives day to day with the wrong principles um can you consider that person a spiritual person of course every human being is a spiritual being um but they just don't know it some some of us we just don't know it we don't realize it which is why one of the spiritual goals is called self-realization. Right? Because we're these spiritual beings, but we don't realize it. We get caught up in the day-to-day grind, as they call it. And it's funny, it kind of does, over time, it does grind you down. I think that's why, like, younger people, like, Children or even teenagers, I think teenagers especially, they're so idealistic. Like they really believe, you know, they should do the right thing and life can be good. We can fix all the problems we have. There's like, there's like a positive attitude or like a hope. But it's, it's, it's more than that. It's like an idealism. It's, it's. And what happens over time, I think when people grow up and as they get older, they get worn down. And then after a while, you just sort of accept what's going on. You know, even though there's all kinds of nonsense happening in the world, you just kind of say, well, we can't do anything about it. You know, you kind of give up. And that giving up is... That's hard for a younger person or an idealistic person to accept. And I can speak on this because I am one of these idealistic people. And I think when there, if there's a problem, there's a solution. And we can find it. And we can work together. And we can make it all right. So, but there's another part. You know... One alternative is when the, when you get older, you give up. You just say, well, whatever. I don't really care. We can't change it anyway. We can't solve the problems of life anyway, so let's just, let's just leave it. But there's another part of it, too. And that, that's a, a, I guess we could call it a spiritual acceptance. So you're not maybe giving up 
on the world and the world's problems, but maybe you're accepting these problems and maybe using spiritual methods to help overcome it. And obviously the biggest method is prayer. You know, we we can pray that these problems are solved. We can pray that the people who need help receive the help. Even if we're not the person or agency to bring that help, we can always pray. And so you still have hope at that point. But it's a more realistic hope as well, because I think the idealism of youth, it's, you know, it's very pure, but in a way it's unrealistic. Because the problems of life, as we've discussed, the problems of life and and the problems in your life are there for a reason, to teach you something. And we just read the James Allen chapter on transcending difficulties and perplexities. So if we got rid of all the problems, then people would stop, we'd all stop learning. And learning is why we're here. So isn't that interesting that we're going to we're going to have to face problems because that's why we're here. But yet we want to solve the problems and and when we look around at people around us, our loved ones and our neighbors and our fellow human beings, you know, we want to take away their pain if we can. But it's not always possible. And I think it's very hard to stand by someone you love and see them in pain and not be able to do anything to help them. You know, physically do anything to help them or emotionally. And this is where prayer comes in. True prayer. Not prayer that, oh, let me earn more money and you know, or let's say one of your loved ones is sick. Oh, let this person get better. Well, that's a that's a valid prayer. When you pray for others, it's always valid. When you pray for yourself, it's never valid. <laughs> but in truth, we can pray for others, but we don't know. Our prayer may not affect things like let's say one of your friends or one of your family members is very poor. They have, they have no money. And you pray that, oh, I hope they can get a good job and earn some money and have some money. Well, that might be your wish for that person. But God's destiny for that person might be different. Maybe they have to be poor to learn what they need to learn. Maybe they have to be poor their whole life and struggle their whole life to learn what they have to learn. And we don't know, right? There's no way to know what they're supposed to be learning and experiencing. So that's why we can pray with our heart. And, and you know, one of the 
best prayers to use to say is that, you know, may God's will be done for this person. It's almost appealing to God and saying, excuse me, my throat's a little scratchy. But when you pray for someone and say, God, let your will be done for this person, you're leaving it up to the God and the universe to decide what's best for this person. And that brings up an interesting story. On one of my earlier trips to India, um, I think it was in 2004. I think it was my first trip. It was my first trip to India. And I started in, I started, I landed in Chennai. I stayed there for a short time. And then uh, I traveled up north with uh, with our spiritual guide. And I think we were we were staying in a hotel and he was staying in someone's house. Anyway, we got to have a group meditation. And before that, though, uh, there was a woman who was asking him, um, you know, to pray for her son who was sick. Apparently this woman's son was very sick and might, you know, very sick. So she said, you know, excuse me, said, Master, will you pray for my son? And he says, okay, I'll, I'll pray for your son. And apparently that wasn't, uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't good enough for the woman. I mean, she wasn't, she didn't feel better all the way with that. She wasn't fully relieved at that point. So she basically said, look, he's really sick and, you know, he might die. And, you know, she was upset. And um, so Chariji turned to her and said, he said, look, life and death are in the hands of God. And I was right there. I heard all this and I, it, it was very, it was a great experience for me because that's true, right? I mean, obviously it's true. Life and death are in the hands of God and pretty much everything else is in the hands of God as well. So there's, you know, we can pray, but but the higher will of God or the universe or whatever is, is you is always going to prevail. And again, whatever happens is good for us. Actually, that's, that's what, uh, Chariji said first to this woman. He said, um, oh no, after he said that life and death are in the hands of God, he said, whatever happens to a person is good for that person. And and that kind of floored me, actually, because that was a big awakening for me, that whatever happens to a person is good for that person. So in our example, we might want our loved one who's, who's broke with no money, we, we might wish that they had money, but that's, 
That's what we want. That's my desire for him. But whatever happens to him is good for him, whether it's whether he's broke or or not. So this is a hard one to accept, actually, in my opinion, because, again, people around us are going to be in pain or, you know, people are are born with with illnesses and deformities and people have accidents and they're physically challenged and life is hard and there's so many really you know tough things that happen to people in our lives and happen to us um and you might say well how can that be good for me you know but you know what that's the question that's the question we all need to ask with whatever is happening in our own life, whatever is happening in my life, I need to ask, how is this good for me? And guess what? I think when you ask that question, and if you're open to receiving an answer, you might get an answer. And then you might really see that these things that seem bad are maybe not so bad. Like James Allen talks about, we've been reading this. If you take these difficulties and face them head on, learn what you need to learn, improve yourself, strengthen yourself, gain the wisdom, then that's it. You learned it. The difficulty is just gone. It'll go away. And even if it's like a physical you know, something with your physical body, something different. You know, maybe maybe you lose a limb or someone who loses a limb. That's a difficulty. They can transcend that. But obviously, they're not going to get their limb back, right? So what happens then? Well, then the difficulty still goes away because they they just accept it and they're living on a higher level now. So they may not have their limb, but they have everything else and they're on their way. So I actually wanted to talk about preparation. Preparation. So there's a great analogy about um, about the rain. And it's as, as I speak, the sun is pouring into the studio here through the blinds looks really nice and it was a little cool out this morning too I think it was 48 degrees um, but but rain right rain is good for all the trees and plants and especially the farms because without rain we couldn't grow any food and we couldn't eat any food and that would not be good so the rain comes and, you know, a farmer who has prepared his field, has done all the pre-work, you know, and again, I'm not a farmer, but, uh, you know, maybe they plowed the field, maybe they fertilized it, maybe they got good seeds, they planted the seeds really carefully, and, you know, 
they're protecting the seeds from the birds, right? Maybe they have a scarecrow. And everything is all ready. They've done all the preparation work. So when the rain comes, the rain goes into the ground, you know, touches the seeds and the seeds grow and everything works. Everything's great, right? So the farmer is benefiting because he was prepared. Now, think about another farmer who is, uh, well, let's call him the lazy farmer. Maybe that's not fair. I'm not sure. Let's just call him the second farmer. Let's say he's a bit lazy and, and he, he doesn't prepare anything. You know, the field is a little bit overgrown and um, hasn't been plowed. There's all weeds growing in the field and he didn't plant seeds yet. But here comes the rain. So it, it rains. And as soon as it stops raining, he runs out in the field, tries to plow it really quick, uh, plant the seeds really quick. And I mean, you, you can already you can already know that that's not going to work, right? You're, the, you, he's not going to get a good crop from that because it's, he's not prepared. So the analogy is that the rain is really the grace from God or blessings from God or, you know, divine energy from the universe, whatever you want to consider the rain, but we all receive it, right? Just like these two farmers were side by side, the rain fell on both fields. One guy was prepared he benefited. One guy was not prepared. He did not benefit. So is it, can you blame the rain for the reason that the second farmer did not benefit? Of course not. You can't blame the rain. The rain is just the rain. It's up to the farmer to prepare his field if he wants a crop. So that's how it is in in spirituality, that we're all receiving the grace from God, the blessings, uh, the transmission, if, if you're talking about Sahaj Marg. It's coming all the time. In fact, you wouldn't be alive if it wasn't coming right now. That's actually what's keeping us alive. Because something has to keep the soul alive, consciousness alive. There's energy and power that comes from somewhere. You know, when your heart beats, it... The human body is like this phenomenal electrical system. There's so much electric charge in the human body. And where does it come from? <laughs> well, that's a whole nother show right there. But these, this grace and these blessings are always coming. And the spiritual person who meditates every day, who tries to work on their character, who reads books, reads good books, maybe avoids some bad influences like certain movies, TV shows, certainly bad habits. So somebody who's on the right path, they're putting in effort, they're preparing themselves. 
they're going to receive more benefit from this, the grace that's coming or the, the rain, right? And over time, they're going to progress. They're going to become more spiritually elevated and develop a higher awareness and all this good stuff, right? The way of the mystic. But then there's the person who, again, I'm not going to call him the lazy guy. Because <laughs> uh, it's not always laziness, right? Sometimes, again, sometimes people have to languish in their problems for a while before they snap out of it. But the person who does not prepare at all, they don't meditate, they don't read any good books, they have bad habits, they're always in the wrong place with the wrong people, doing bad stuff. I mean, look, the grace is still coming. The blessings are still coming every moment, but that person is not able to use them, utilize them. So that's the difference of preparation. And I wonder if you think about your own life, you know, what is, what is your level of preparation? Are you more like the guy who's really, really prepared, you know, on top of things? Or are you more like the lazy guy who, again, that's not correct to call him the lazy guy. It's just funny. Um, or are you like the second person who's really not prepared, not doing the right thing? So maybe you could do a little self-evaluation, right? Look at your life. See what you're doing. And of course, you could decide what you want to change and work towards changing it. And if you need help, seek out people who can help. One place you can receive help from is from pauseyourlife.org. Have you been to the website yet? Pauseyourlife.org. Um, it's an organization that has meetups and retreats. And the whole concept is that our lives are so crazy in the material world, running after fame and fortune, name, fame, and fortune, um, and we get so caught up in the material world, we forget about the inner world. We forget about the fact that we're a divine being. You know, what's that quote? We, we're not. We're not human... Uh, what is it? We're not human beings having a divine experience. We are actually divine beings having a human experience. I like that. I, f I forget who said that, but if that was you who said that, <laughs> call in, please. <laughs> so pause your life. It's all about hitting the pause button on your life. You know, stop the craziness. Just pause. Put everything down. All your worries, all your stress, all the chips on your shoulder, everything that's bothering you, all the weight that you're carrying, everything, your past, your future, everything. You're just going to put it down and just be yourself, be a human being. And that is so refreshing, I must tell you, since I do it often. 
It's very refreshing. It just brings balance to your life. You know, if you're running, running, running like a chicken all the time, that's not a balanced life. So pauseyourlife.org, it's a very cool site where you can find out more about the meetups and the retreats. And also you can sign up for a daily email, which is called the Daily Pause. And it's a nice little quote that will be in your email box every morning and it'll give you a reason to pause, to read a nice inspirational quote and just at least think about it for maybe 30 seconds. But the little pauses are very helpful. And I just wanted to read this sentence here. I love this sentence. The pauses between the words are what give meaning to the sentence. Right? I think I mentioned this yesterday. So the pause between the words, the pauses between the words are what give meaning to the sentence. So also in our lives, you know, the moments of silence, inner reflection, meditation, stillness, they bring forth the joy of life itself. You know, life is complete for a person who is very connected to their inner self. And really, there's no outer me and inner me. There's only one being, the self. So Pause Your Life helps, helps to balance that out as well. So check it out, pauseyourlife.org. And here's... Okay, this is from the book 365 Dao by Deng Ming Dao. And uh, remember, there's, a, there's an entry for each day of the year. So the entry for today is called Stimulation. I think this is interesting because it goes right along with Pause Your Life and the other things we've been talking about. Okay. Um, sex, coffee, liquor, and cigarettes are the totems of today. Stimulation has replaced feeling. In today's world, these are the unfortunate equations. Do you want intimacy? Have sex. Do you want to be energetic? Drink coffee. Do you want freedom from inhibitions? Drink wine. Do you want a fashionable prop? Smoke cigarettes. Why is it that these things have replaced what should be naturally done? Because people have lost the knowledge of how to do these things without artificial stimulation. Why not seek intimacy through sensitivity? Energy through good health. If we overcome our obstacles, we won't need inhibition. Pretension will fall away. Only then will there be a blossoming of Tao. So I thought that was interesting. Stimulation, right? Where uh, th- this is the this is a very good line. Stimulation has replaced feeling. 
right? We're so used to just being amped up on life by artificial, superficial means. And of course, you being on the mystic path, you know you're on the path of feeling, of sensitivity, of simplicity. And that's really important. And I'm sure you can feel the difference. So hopefully on a future show, you can give us a call and tell us what your journey has been like, as well as how how you've changed from it. You know, maybe you used to drink alcohol and you don't anymore. I mean, that's the, that's the case for me. That's a whole funny story I'll have to get into uh, <laughs> another show because we're, we're just about out of time now. Um, but yeah, meditation and spirituality will change your life if you take it seriously, right? We all know this. I'm speaking to the choir. So I want to thank you for listening to today's Mystic Show. It was quite a windy journey, a lot of different topics. And now we'll move into the rest of our day or night and try to keep these topics in mind. Try to have an inner calmness an inner awareness and and look deeper into things instead of just on the surface. So I wish you a great day, a great night. Keep shining.